This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Southern New England Sports Original, 103.7 WEEI. Always live on the free Odyssey app. We now return to Meter and the Coach. Call the show at 401-737-1287. Southern New England Sports Original, 1037 WEI. Second and final hour of Meter and the Coach basking in the afterglow of a busy Saturday in sports. And I know this guy, our next guest, is extremely tired. We give him a lot of credit for waking up with us because he had a long week. You know, it's working in those salt mines, Rob Bradford of WEEI and WEEI.com. You were, <laughs> I turn, turn on my radio every day and you were on, Rob, and a busy day for you. But summarize for us as we start with a hard question at 8.07. Summarize for us the Heim Bloom experience. <laughs> well, first of all, there's no better way to start the day than with meter the coach. There's no better way to start the day. So I appreciate <laughs> you having me on. Uh, that's a scientific fact. And um, right so uh, how, how would I uh, summarize the high bloom era? I think that it was, um, it was, I don't know how you summarize it. I mean, I think there, there was the good, the bad. They, there was, they just did at the end of the day, when you get to the whatever mark, four year mark, that the the current results just weren't good enough to push a, put a, to overlap what they wanted to focus on, which was the promise of the future. I mean, it was it's really the whole thing was sort of built on the promise of the future. It's going to be better. It's setting up to be better. But then I think you get to the point where it just got uncomfortable in terms of not only you're looking at potentially at last place again. But also the the dollar seats in the secondary markets for the Yankees, the Dodgers fans taking things over. You were creeping toward that word, which this ownership group just will not accept, and that's apathy. And and you just cannot have that in, in the Red Sox fan base. And that's where it was creeping. The the people needed some sense of excitement, some sort of passion. And even though there were signs this year that it was okay, it was good. You had moments, and you were in. The postseason, probably until, you know, late August, realistically, uh, it, it just wasn't there. And I think that's what they saw. And it didn't. And whatever promise that you had coming up in the next couple of years, that couldn't overlap what uh, what was going on now. No, I think that's a, a good summary. I think it's it's maddening from the Red Sox fan perspective because they were they're stuck in that murky middle, Rob, the mur- middle of the payroll, the the middle of the pack. Some say their farm system is good. Some say it's in the middle. 
what what direction are they going? Are they just going to swing again? Are they going to spend money? Are they not going to spend money? Where are they going? I think I think it's this is another important part of maybe how they viewed things going viewed things going forward, which was they need to spend money. They need to whether it's spend money, make trades. We all need, know what they need. I mean, they need pitchers who can go six innings. They need they, they need guys that you can't just hope that a Corey Kluber is going to work out. No, I mean, you need to pay for as close to certainty as you did. Like, by the way, as they did at the end of the bullpen, which, holy mackerel, can you imagine if Kenley Jansen and Chris Martin aren't sitting there this year? So uh, so they need, to, they need to do that. And the problem was is that that wasn't Heim's strengths. I mean, it was he did he did a lot of good things, but the problem was is that he didn't he was not willing to get uncomfortable in these battles for the type of battle that you're going to have to have for Yamamoto, um, the type of like trades that you're going to have to make, you know. So you're going to have to be you're going to have to find some aggressiveness this off season beyond what you did last year. You ha- you're going to ha- that's going to be a huge huge part of it, not only to make the team good. But also, to, to your point, to get the team back in, in the minds and hearts and souls of these people who like who this ownership had built the, the, the fandom off of for the last 20-something years. Yeah, Rob, thinking of that now, when you speak of the next move, um, you know, I'm no Rob Bradford for sure, but our, our idea this morning early, and I want to get your take on this, is that the next guy has to be in sync. If you keep Alex Cora, he's got to be in sync with Alex Cora. You can't have a overly, over one-way analytics and then you have a baseball guy as your manager. And I always felt like the two of them were not in sync, you know, whether it's not trading at the deadline or you know, all the openers that they threw at Alex Cora to start these games. Uh, what's your take on the makeup of the next guy if they're going to keep Alex Cora? Well, first of all, Coach, you should thank your lucky stars you are not Rob Bradford. I mean, at the way that I feel right now after this week, absolutely. I mean, you are in a much better place than I am. And, and also, I just feel like it's a great question. And this this is the Alex Cora question. This is the what is what is how is it going to look going forward with Alex Cora. Now, we know that he isn't going to be a GM. He, I think someday he wants to be a GM. There's no question about it. But I don't think the time is right. I don't think they viewed this as the time being right either. So they need to find someone who is going to have be, like you said, in lockstep with the manager, whether that's Alex Cora or somebody else. Um, and I think Alex Cora is waiting to hear on that. Like he, he didn't commit, even though he has a year left on his contract, it's not like he said, hey, you know what, absolutely I'm coming back. He was asked that, and he said, I'm going to go home after the season. We're going to reflect. But every time you have a new boss, things change. In terms of the guy that they're going to hire, like I don't think they can just hire a, a guy, another guy that nobody – oh, you're going to have to trust us. He's, coming, he's analytically driven. He's coming from another organization. He's going to be good. I mean, that's sort of what was Heim was going to be. I do feel like you have to get someone who's done the job before, Who's, who's probably has shown that he's not afraid to not only build a farm system, but also not afraid to make some tough moves, some tough trades, some tough signings. So I think that you have to go down that road. Whether that, that lines up with Alex Cora, I don't know. 
But that's the type of guy that you have to get. And, and it's interesting because there's a lot of really, really fascinating names out there who are available. Like you have guys like Dayton Moore and John Daniels who have done this before. They're waiting. I mean, they are waiting for the call. Dayton Moore's in, in uh, an advisor with the Rangers. John Daniels is an advisor with the Rays. Um, they both have had success. They both have, had, have gone through this. Or do you want to go down the road of a Brandon Gomes? A Brandon Gomes is obviously people in Fall River know him because he's from Fall River. He's the GM of the Dodgers. But is he? Are they? Are you willing to make him the president of baseball operations to get him away from that title in L.A.? So there's some intriguing uh, candidates out there. But one thing I think that they have to do is a do what you just said. You have to find a guy who's going to link up with your manager, and b. You also have to find a guy who this, this fan base can get excited about. Yeah, that's that's great points, and I think experience is obviously needed in this market. So I want to get your take. Uh, in typical Red Sox fashion, they dropped a dime on Peter Gammons and said that that, that Otani is very favorable, maybe to thinking and talking about coming to Boston because of his relationship with Jim Davis. I mean. To me, that's bizarro world. Uh, I don't know. You, you know, you're on the inside. You're on the inside. I mean, he's going to come here because of a relationship with one person that he's, that he's known for five years. I, I don't buy that at all. Not especially in today's day and age. But I want to get your take on that and where that came from and what you think, you, what your thoughts are on it. Uh, I, I think, I, first of all, I agree with you. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's sort of like, oh, well, Yamamoto played with, uh, I played with uh, Yoshida. All right, great, <laughs> super. I mean, it, it's it, and then you have this relationship, uh, and and we when when Otani signed a deal with New Balance, it was a joke, right? Oh, New Balance is in Boston. Here he comes. He knows where the offices are. He can, you know, he can after the game, he can walk right down the street and get his shoes. It's going to be great. Um, but uh, you know, that's great that he has a relationship, and obviously, Gammons is a. Hall of Famer, and he's he's so he's so awesome in so many ways. But I I just think that what Peter was doing was taking the opinion of one person, and that's all we're left with right now with Otani is opinions. And my opinion is that the guy didn't even take a meeting with the Red Sox, even though they had jerseys uh, with Otani made up on the back of the Bruins, the Celtics, and the Patriots ready to go. And they they Otani, you know, sure he wants to win. But I, I still think you look at places like Seattle and San Diego and these West Coast teams as sort of being the favorite. So, you know, my opinion is that I, I don't think that the Red Sox are willing to go down that road. Uh, but, you know, if you're, and you can make the case is the better road to go down anyway for what this team needs is Yamamoto, the pitcher out of Japan. So anyway, so I, I don't think – God bless Jim Davis and, and New Balance, great organization, great person. But I don't know if that's going to be the deciding factor with Shohei Itani. Uh, I think you're onto something, Rob. Even though I've I've been on the Shohei bandwagon for for, for months <laughs> and years, I've I've circled this this date when free agency was a possibility. Uh, I did not know about the Bruins and Celtic jerseys. That would swing anybody. Uh, well, yeah, they, I, I they didn't, meter meter meter. They didn't even get a chance to give it to them. Like basically, <laughs> I I've, I've surfaced I. Have the picture of the uh, the Bruins Otani jersey, which one of the front office people like they basically gave these back to the front office people. It's sort of like <laughs> the Yoshida uh, inflatable dumbbells. They never even get a chance to like show it to them. 
But so anyway, go and, ahead. And, and and Rob, yeah, and I like Jim Davis too. I think I was standing next to you and he gave a riveting speech at the grand opening of the Auerbach Center. And uh, so he, he's a personality for sure, but I don't know if he's going to bring Otani to Boston. No, no. Not unless not no. unless he's cutting the check for $600 million. No. Rob, uh, you had some good good, good uh, nuggets with Jones and Bego this week about the Chris Stale uh, trade that didn't happen. Uh, take us inside of that, and why didn't it happen? Well, so it goes back to, you know, so what I wanted to, when, when the Heim news came down, I mean, one of the biggest issues was, or if we're going to paint the picture, it's the inability to, to really pull the trigger on a lot of these trades. And so I... I uncovered this, I thought was the best example of it, which was back before the trade deadline in 2022, when Chris Sale was on the IL for that broken finger, um, a team, and now we know it's, it was the Tech Strangers, that a team came to him and said, uh, hey, listen, you know, we're willing to trade for Chris Sale and take on his whole contract. And I do know that it was the whole contract. And take on his whole contract, give you a couple players, which, you know, and I think that Jones said this was, you know, it's just similar to the whole Ruby De La Rosa, Allen Webster, and that Dodgers trade back in 2012. The players don't make a difference. You know, it's the money. So right. we're willing to take that on, which would have been two and a half years, about $55 million. And from what I understand, you know, Heim wanted better players. And so they didn't do the deal. So obviously, you know, the probably the thinking at the time was we're going to need Chris Sale. We think Chris Sale is going to be healthy, um, and you know he's good luck yesterday. So that was a thinking. But the the flip side of it, and I think this is where everyone gets sort of riled up about it, which is what you could do with that money, fifty five million. It's the same thing. It is the same thing when they made that Dodgers tw- trade in two thousand twelve. You got the money, and what are you going to do to spend it now? So I think that was the frustrating thing, and that was perhaps the best example. That, that I could give. I mean, there's other examples. I, like I said, I think that what did Hyman was more the, the trades that he didn't make than more than, than the trades he did make. And, um, and you go back to the jumping off point of the trade deadlines, both ones last couple of years. So, yeah, so that was, uh, I know that that got a lot of reaction and rightfully so. I mean, it got reaction from me when I heard it for the first time. So uh, yeah, that was a, that was a doozy. Yeah, it's just I I don't understand what the hesitancy was there. Like, what was he worried about? I mean, I I, I and I said to Tim, I, I you know me, Rob, you know me for years. I I get stuck on things, and the thing I'm stuck on with Heim, it started it started basically. You, you got to go back to the Mookie deal, and what a disaster it was, and what a huge hole that was for him. And I know he was an ownership edict. You got to trade Mookie bets. All right. It also should be you got to make a really good deal for Mookie Betts. That was a disastrous trade, and maybe he was gun shy from that point on. Is that a theory? It is. Well, you know, it's it's there's a theory in that, and there's a theory theory in free agency when it comes to Trevor Story, and you know about spending that money. Even though, like, I think he's Trevor Story's gonna be a fine player, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with suggesting that, and that because. You go back to that was obviously his first big move. I mean, Ben and Tenny was a big move too, but you got five players back. And that was sort of the MO, right? The Dombrowski right. MO was, I'm going to identify the right, right, right guy and give up the five players. Heim was more, I'm going to get the five players for the one guy and hopefully a two, uh, one and a half or two hit in the major leagues. 
So the, it, looking back on the Mookie trade, it's sort of amazing that it was pulled off. Honestly, I mean that that after the after like in the year last couple of years, it just hasn't been a ton of trades, and there's been this perception that you have to win the trade by eighty percent instead of fifty one percent. So uh, yeah, I mean I I mean that's I. I I don't discount that theory or that mindset. All I know is this, is that this was a narrative, not only with me, but this is a narrative throughout baseball. You know, like that night that he was fired, you know, again, this isn't throwing dirt on Heim's grave because I think that Heim did a lot of good things. And I think that he also was one of the most up, uh, like outstanding human beings in the front office capacity that have ever been around. But, you know, driving home that n- the other night, I was talking to a scout who was at a game with another GM and that GM unsolicited was just like, it was so difficult to deal with Heim, to do a deal with Heim. And and I think that was sort of the narrative like too many times. And, and to come back to why this happened and how ownership viewed it, I think that going into this off season, that's maybe what they were worried about a little bit. Yep. That's a great point. And obviously being a good person is great, but you got to have an edge too. You've got to have an edge in that position. And uh, let's pivot Rob and uh, talk about the ball club that was in town uh, earlier this week with the dollar tickets and the Yankees. <laughs> what are they going to do? What, what are they going to do to get out of their space that they're in right now, which is just treading water at a low level? I, I don't think there's a coincidence that that when Yamamoto throws a no hitter in Japan, the guy like standing up, clapping his hands right behind home plate was Brian Cashman. You know the <laughs> it's the same. It's it, it. There's a lot of the same conversations with the Yankees about they have to get their fan base back on board. They have to make people start believing. Yeah, sure, you get the stand contract, and you got a you got a roster that seems all out of whack, and you got your best prospect all of a sudden now out for potentially nine months, Jason Dominguez, because of the Tommy John. But, you know, you have to get people back on track because it wasn't that long ago in last year that they were a really, really good team. And so they have to figure out a way to, to do it and do it in a smart way. But I think that everyone across the board, if you did get Yamamoto or Gulp, if you ever did want to get on the Otani bandwagon, then I don't think anybody, everybody would be more than happy to forget 2023 from the Yankees. But they got some work to do. The Radon thing kills them. Um, the Dominguez thing kills them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would make the argument that they have more work to do, actually, than the Red Sox. Well, on that front, uh, one person you didn't mention was somebody I'd like to see out. And uh, I'd love to see Alex Cora in the Bronx. I don't think it'll happen. We all know about his daughter being at BC and all that goes with that. And the fan, he talks about her a lot. So that's probably not going to happen, but you know, what are they going to do with Aaron Boone? I mean, this guy for years and years and years have just really mediocrity. I know it's analytics driven and he's had a lot of injuries, but you know, what's your opinion on his status or how he can improve himself or can, is he the right guy? Well, it's interesting you brought up the analytics thing because I think this is a battle within the Reds. Uh, I'm sorry, within the Yankees organization, um, and it's a battle within obviously most organizations. Is that you know how much you know should you weigh in analytics and and how much should that guide your decisions and and uh, and I don't think there's a definitive right answer, but it is definitely a conversation. A guy like Aaron Boone, I'm sure has 
you know, he much like Cora, I mean, he's had to manage that. Um, so to answer your question, I think they'll keep Boone around. I think that he's shown enough results for them. I know it's frustrating for Yankees fans, some of the stuff he does. But uh, but I, I can't see that they're going to have, from whether it's Cashman or Boone, they're going to have big turnover in that respect. But it, like much like with the Red Sox, we're going to see how they do they how they change the way they do things because you know Sean Casey's in there as a hitting coach right now. I mean, it's been an eye-opening experience for him. Think about that. I mean, you guys know how good Sean Casey was. He's a good, great hitter. He's a great commute. There's no better communicator than him. I mean, he's he's one of the, he was one of the best I've ever seen. Yet you get dropped into there, and all of a sudden you have a bunch of people throwing analytics at you. you say, wait a second. This isn't what I remember hitting coaches being like. And and so I think there's a lot of adjustments they have to make in terms of how they do things. Um, much Again, much like the Red Sox. This is – and everyone's looking for that secret sauce, that formula. But all I know is this. What, what Joe Madden said in the offseason just resonated to me so much, which is when you are a manager in this day and age of baseball and the game starts, you have way too many voices in your head. And and that's just not a good thing. So I don't know where that stands with Aaron Boone, but it sure seems like they have to sift through that a little bit. All right, Rob, we started with a hard question. I'm going to end with a hard question. I'm going to throw five <laughs> names at you, possible Red Sox GMs, and you're going to give me a percentage of who's the who's the <laughs> leader in the clubhouse in the, in the world of Rob Bradford. Chris Antonetti, David Forst, Mike Hazen, Billy Bean, Brandon Gomes. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I can eliminate Billy Bean isn't going. I mean, is this like who I want or who I think is actually going to ha- happen? Who do you think is actually going to happen? Oh, okay. Let's eliminate Chris Antonetti. Let's l- eliminate Billy Bean. It's, I think you can uh, – my guess is you'll eliminate David Forrest. Um, and then I think that, you know, I think their best-case scenario, honestly, would be, probably be Mike Hazen, but he's got another year on his contract. And I think the more realistic uh, guy of that whole group is Brandon Gomes. So, like I said, he's got the GM title, so you're going to have to change his title from the Dodgers. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's that's what I would say. Of, of those names, I will say this. The, the, the name that will never, ever, ever, ever happen in that list is the great Billy Bean. <laughs> never. No, okay. I mean – I mean, we we could replay the scene in Moneyball where they're sitting in the first row of the press box for some bizarre reason. John Henry and Billy Bean, Brad Pitt, and whoever the actor was, and say, "Hell, he and slide the figure across the table." And yeah, I'm like, no. I mean, first of all, that was what that was twenty twenty one years ago. Twenty one years yeah. ago. Yeah. I mean, we still hang on to that. So uh, yeah, I, I think. J.P. Ricciardi, the great J.P. Ricciardi, has a much better chance than Billy Bean. Is that is that viable? Is Ricciardi viable? Sure. I mean, he's like he's a guy. He's he's working for the Giants right now. You know, if you want to go back to the the early days of ownership, they tried hiring J.P. I mean, they tried hiring J.P. after they missed out on Billy, but J.P. was with Toronto. So uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, I think that to me. You got to have somebody who has done the job before, especially when you go into this off season. No, I, I don't think you can argue that. Rob Bradford, outstanding stuff, as expected, as advertised. You can go back to bed, enjoy, maybe sleep until the winter meetings, 
and uh, we appreciate your help as always. No, I'm going to listen to the rest of your show, and uh, I appreciate you guys. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, All right thanks, thanks, Rob. Rob. Appreciate it. Rob Bradford, W-E-I, com. Good stuff. Great stuff. Good info. Rob gives you the – he drops the – he dropped some bombs on you, Tim Welsh. I love J.P. Ricciardi. Let's bring him home. Let's the pride of Worcester Academy. Let's go. Yeah, no, I read a couple of tweets about that uh, with the Giants, as Rob mentioned. Uh, Brian Sabian's another guy that was floated. He's a Yankees advisor. Tim Naring, uh, Yankees executive. Uh, you know, there's a lot of names out there. The guys I just mentioned, I know Billy Bream. That's that was a Chris Gasper thing. You got to hire Billy Bean. Make it happen. Not happening. Please, Billy Bean. First of all, I don't think Billy Bean wants to be a GM anymore. He's not really a GM anymore. Uh, either way, uh, a vital hire for the Red Sox. They got to get out of this cycle of recycling GMs every four years. We got to take a timeout. Joe Passarelli is up next with an update. I'm Eater. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.